is with gratitude that we remember our veterans and serving members who suffer or have suffered injuries in body, mind and spirit. As a serving member of the Canadian Armed Forces today aboard Her Majesty's Canadian ship Winnipeg, I'm grateful to the many Jewish members before me who made the courageous sacrifice to represent our country. That's the sound of the Remembrance Day message recorded in November by Canadian military chaplain Captain Rabbi Arnold Noteg Logauer of Toronto. He taped it while standing on the deck of HMCS Winnipeg, somewhere off the coast of Japan, during his four months on deployment with the crew aboard the Canadian frigate. The Lubavitch rabbi joined the military nearly five years ago and has served on land until now, but in August, his wish to go to sea came true, and Glogauer became the first Canadian Jewish military chaplain ever to go to sea on operations with the Royal Canadian Navy. They left from BC's naval base in August, and they headed west across the Pacific. They did maneuvers off the Philippines and Japan and the Korean Peninsula. They also carried out patrols looking for ships smuggling fuel and other supplies to North Korea in violation of the UN's weapons embargo and sanctions. They even managed to provoke the wrath of the Chinese government when they sailed on purpose through the disputed straits between China and Taiwan. Glogauer wore his military-issued camouflage prayer shawl and camouflage kippah, and he blew shofar, and he taught everyone to light Hanukkah candles and play dreidel games, and he did his best to eat kosher, and he thought he was the only Jew on board, until he discovered a sailor of a Russian Jewish descent and was able to coach the man to study for a very belated bar mitzvah. During his time as chaplain on board, Glogauer was supposed to minister to all the 257 crew members, who are mostly Catholics and Protestants. There's never going to be over 1% Jewish members on, um, on a ship. So for them actually to say, okay, you know, we, we see the need for diversity um, represented in the Navy. So we're actually going to take a little bit of a risk and we're going to send a rabbi out um, onto a deployed vessel was, was a great faith demonstration of our military, of chaplaincy to nominate me, as well as for the Navy to agree to have me. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, January the 13th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Captain Glogauer is the fifth generation in his family to sign up for military duty, and he carried a special family heirloom with him on board. It's a miniature Torah that his great-grandfather carried with him in World War I while fighting in Europe. The rabbi says he knew these four months at sea weren't going to be a cruise vacation. As the first Jewish chaplain attached to a Canadian ship, he was treading a new path, having to find ways to connect with people who needed his help with spiritual matters as they faced loneliness and family health problems back home and no mail drop for months and being in a COVID bubble so they couldn't even sightsee when they docked in most of the ports. Coming up, Glogauer will be here to share his experiences, including how he got so seasick as soon as they sailed away he thought he was going to die. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. Hi, I'm Martin Root in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Edmonton's Jewish community has unveiled a large mosaic art piece called Shine a Light on Antisemitism. Community members, including students from the city's Tomatora School and seniors from a drop-in centre, contributed 613 tiles to the project. 
Even the city's mayor, Amarjeet Sohi, made one. Everyone was asked to design a tile to show how they feel about anti-Semitism, and then a local artist, Louis Lavois, put them all together to form a Hanukkah menorah. The giant art piece was supposed to be unveiled in person Wednesday at Edmonton City Hall, but that was cancelled because of COVID. The piece will eventually be displayed at the city's Jewish organizations. Captain Glogauer is on some well-earned leave right now back home with his family at their Thornhill home. Since HMCS Winnipeg returned to Canada just before Christmas, he's also celebrating his birthday today, and he joins us now. You just got back within a couple of weeks. Walk us through, you know, the day you got off the ship. Where were you? How was the homecoming? So I have to tell you, you know, I have to be very um, careful for myself because the emotions are still raw. So it's very easy for me to feel those emotions as I play back in my mind, the feeling of being in um, Victoria, in Esquimalt, coming up the coast. It hit me very strongly that... My job and what I attempted to do to be able to create and represent um, the chaplaincy, the Jewish faith, um, the care and support that chaplains um, envision coming out on deployment, pretty amazing. Do you have your own chapel area? You had Sunday services, but is there an actual chapel? So there isn't. So the way actually that the services take place is in the wardroom. Every Sunday... Um, it's called church services. Um, so one of the fierce few things I said, well, when I, when they send out the schedule for the week, I saw Sunday services, um, church services on Sundays led by the rabbi. I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to change that, right? Because <laughs> then we're, we're not going to be calling them church services. So that was the first thing. And then the other part was, you know, how was I going to support all of the different spiritualities that I knew already were on on the ship. Because before we actually sailed, I had two weeks to start engaging with the crew. Um, We had three um, Aboriginal members, um, three Indigenous members in, in, in our crew. And I wanted to be able to demonstrate right from the beginning that we were going to support all of the spiritualities. So the first thing we actually did was I organized a smudging that would take place before we actually left. Um, I engaged um, one of the, um, probably one of the more um, experienced um, Indigenous members. Um, he, I made sure that the member had all of the supplies that would need because my goal was not only to be able to do the smudging before we left, but at a few specific times during our deployment. So, so that, that's what we did. So then when it came time for the Sunday services, I did two things. First thing, I realized that we would have a majority Protestant and Catholic group. So I prepared in advance um, different bulletins. And because I myself would not be able to lead those services, I designated one or two members of each of those faiths to almost be like the, the leader of those services. So on my first Sunday out to sea, we left on a Tuesday. I had a few days to figure out who those members were going to be. I prepared those bulletins in advance, but I, then I also prepared a bulletin Um, of a Sunday service that would incorporate a little bit of all of the traditions, but based in the Jewish faith. So uh, knowing that um, the Christian faith and the Muslim faiths all follow um, Psalms um, to heal him by King David. So I created um, a few different Psalms in the beginning that I would lead. 
um, I wrote and I've written in that have been very well received in the Navy, a prayer for the Queen and a prayer for the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, so sandwiched in between, um, I focused, I took the entire first book of, um, of, the, of the Torah, um, the book of Genesis, Bereshis, and um, leadership lessons from um, Bereshis. And then I presented those three options on the first Sunday when they announced, okay, now we were going to have Sunday services led by the rabbi because they changed on the announcement from church to Sunday services. I had about 25 people come, which normally on the ship, my, our chaplain's house, if we have between five and 10 on a regular Sunday, that's pretty great. So when I had 25 and the captain rolled up, um, I was pretty overwhelmed. Um, and I said, okay, well, here are three bulletins. Um, you guys tell me which one do you want to want to do the Christian service? And they said, no, 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 no. Rabbi, we're actually here to engage with you. So we want to see what is your service like? Um, well, needless to say, from then forward, I didn't need to prepare any other faith bullet, faith bulletins because they really engaged incredibly um, with the service that I had developed. You, you didn't have Shabbat services, or did you, or could you? How did that work for you in kosher food? Let's go into that. To start with, you know, Shabbos, what I did was knowing the challenges. So no, knowing the biggest issue and challenge and concern on the ship is fire. So I knew I could never, ever light Shabbos candles. But some, as many of our viewers would know, that there is a way by using candescent bulbs that has the filament. Um, it is a way indirectly to still being able to when they're turned on we still can make a blessing because it's still like creating fire so what i did was i have these portable they look like shabbos candles so every friday night i would light the candles um i would then make kiddish in my cabin um to be able to make kiddish i figured out exactly how much grape juice i would need so the ship purchased all of that for me to be able to have hamotzi, I had them buy enough matzah for me to be able to have enough matzah for all of the meals as well. Um, I had them purchase for me or actually order their frozen meals. So any Jewish member can order and request kosher meals in the military. So they're not great. They're really, really small. They're actually the same incarceration meals that any member could use in our prison system. So they're that small. They're tiny. They're bare minimum in terms of size. But that's what they ordered. They had four different kinds of meals. Friday night then, I would have my own meal. So after I would daven, I'd make kiddish and make, you know, hamotzi. I would then go. They already have my meal ready for me. I would just bring it up and I would eat it in the wardroom. But then what started to happen is people started to ask, okay, well, what is Shabbat and what are you doing? And I ended up meeting a few other, um, you would maybe call them Noahides. They were, would follow um, Torah law, um, which was amazing. So I had a, met a couple Noahides and a couple of, that one Jewish member. So Friday nights, I would do a little bit of a Friday night service, Kiddush, um, Hamotzi, and we would eat. I had extra food for them. I learned very quickly. Somebody told me that being on the ship, you need to have a little something, a little extra to kind of make Shabbos feel more like Shabbos. So I brought enough 
beef jerky. So every Friday night and Shabbos day, I would open up a pack of beef jerky to kind of make Shabbos a little bit special, but I brought extra. So I would then share for all of those people. So I ended up having five, you know, five, six people to share every Friday night. You know, you can make a documentary about your life and I hope somebody did on the ship. But as far as the most um, unexpected, amazing ways to celebrate Jewish holidays, which of those do you think would be the most memorable for you and the most that's the lasting takeaway? Personally, um, the the Lulav and Esrog is probably one of the most impactful for me. The Lulav and Esrog story was a little bit challenged because for me, I knew that coming on the deployment during Tishrei, during the High Holy Month, was going to be a challenge. Um, but I, you know, I was up for it. I knew, you know, to prepare in advance. Um, so one of the things I tried to do was organize to make sure that when we were crossing the, and I'll talk about the international dateline, that's a whole nother story. Um, but where I was actually going to be during um, Sukkot, because I wanted to make sure that by Sukkot, I would have a Lulav and Etrog so I could make the brachas. Obviously, I'm exempt from a Sukkah while I'm traveling. So knowing what I needed to do, um, I organized for a Lulav um, to be able to get there from the Canadian chaplaincy side. Um, but the challenges were as we had to change our port because of weather and crossing the international dateline at a different time, um, the lulav that we organized could not get there. So all I could do was figure out, okay, so Pan B was to engage with the chaplaincy in the U.S. Um, Long, long story short, the lulav ended up going from Israel to New York, to Florida, to um, Okinawa, to Busan, and then to Sasebo where I ended up actually getting the lulav in Sasebo. Um, and I wasn't able to have it for the first part of Sukkot, but I was able to have it for the last two days. And by then I had developed a relationship with another Jewish sailor on his own spiritual journey. So for me, that Shehechianu and benching lulav for him, for that sailor, Shehechianu, the first time he's 42 years old, I, I really truly felt Shehechianu v'kimanu you know, that to renew us and to be able to bring us to this time um, was something that I will always have. How did you navigate potential misunderstandings or um, ignorance on some people that you were with about Jews and perhaps even anti-Semitism? So it's a, it's a great, great question. And there was concern on my part. How is the Navy with the naval traditions, which are very, very set? And you wrote, you know, in your book, I'll plug your book, Double Threat, you know, you you create a very clear understanding of the historical challenges that Jews had in the Navy in the Second World War. But, but I can tell you that I didn't see any evidence of any racism, any anti-Semitism on the ship. The ship is a family. So what's next? You're going to chaplain school to teach for a couple of months or what's, or you're still on leave now? Um, I'm posted to Halifax. So I, for most of the time, um, for 12, for 10 out of the 12 months, I live away from home. I come home for Pesach and I come from home for Rosh Hashanah, but for the most part, our family's separated, which is really difficult. Um, I'm here for another month or so. 
um, you know, it's post-deployment leave, and then I'll be back in Halifax. Um, hopefully there's one course where I'll come to Borden for a month and teach. But other than that, I've put my name forward to request to do one more deployment. So hopefully the journey will continue and just continuing that great legacy. Um, I really appreciate and honor to be part of it. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Monica Neiman in Winnipeg. She's program director at Congregation Eights Chaim Synagogue. And she's running online seminars in honor of Tubishvat, which is coming up this Sunday. And the seminars are about climate justice and ecological awareness. Tubishvat is the new year for trees. And we'll end the episode with a clip from the unveiling of the mural created by Edmonton's Jewish community. The link to watch it is in our show notes. Here's artist Louis Lavois talking about his inspiration. You know, the world's broken into pieces. And so when I look at when I'm putting these murals together, I, I see it as a community. Everybody's trying to say something. And so trying to put the pieces together um, is such a such a great metaphor and, and uh, description of how uh, these murals are. And when you look at them close, they're not all perfectly fitted together. There's little gaps and little pieces in between. And sometimes the color doesn't go right. But overall, it's, you know, it's kind of what a community I feel is. It's, um, you know, some sometimes you can't even find a, a tile in there because it, it blends so well with the others. And other tiles just jump out at you and kind of scream, here I am. So um, when I think of Tacoma alone, I think of how, you know, you know, tried to make the world a better place, tried to piece it together a little bit better. Mm-hmm.